Thank you so much, Ben. So, so bodies break down, families fall apart, finances aren't readily available. There's suffering that happens in all different things. I mean, good night, right? Last week, we all prayed for those in Texas, the two shootings that happened. It was unbelievable. And those families, I promise you, will be suffering for the rest of their lives. There are some pains that can be dealt with in the moment, some sufferings that are short, like the experience that I had with my son. And there are others that carry on for the rest of your life. So, so we need today's message. We need today's message because every single one of you, whether you've gone through suffering, are presently suffering, or will suffer, you need this message and you need to know how to respond. As a Christian, you need to know, how do I respond with suffering? How do I respond? Now, I want you to know that having been the pastor of this church for the last, I don't know, we've been church planning and pastoring for like the last, um, do you hear the feedback? Um, the, we've been church planting and pastoring, my wife and I, um, for like the last 19 years, going on 20 years. And so I've, I've not only suffered my own suffering, I've suffered vicariously through your suffering because you share it with me and I feel your pain and I experience it that way. And there's two lessons that I learned about suffering, two lessons that I got when I started to speak to people. Here's two things that I found. Now, there's more, but these two, I think, are universal. And the two are that when, when we suffer, there's like defaults that we fall into. Doesn't matter where you come from, black or white, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated or not. There's two defaults that we fall in when we suffer. The first default I'm calling self-centeredness. When we suffer, we tend to get self-centered. We get self-centered because we can only feel our own pain. Here, let me see if I can uh, prove this to you. If right now you were suffering or you were suffering last week and you came and nobody called you because you missed last week or you missed last month or, or you're just coming back and nobody called you, right? The person to your right didn't call you, the person to your left didn't call you. You get so angry at this church for not calling you during your time of need. Not recognizing that the person to your right or to your left is just as angry at you for not calling them for the suffering that they were going through. You know why? Because suffering makes us self-centered. We think we're the only ones who experience it. I see this over and over. Suffering makes us self-centered. It's a default of the human heart. You could be Christian or not. That's the way it is. Another thing, another default that suffering does is that suffering makes us narrow. So suffering makes us self-centered as opposed to God-centered. Suffering makes us narrow. Narrow. Narrow meaning we get close-minded as to the, op the possibilities of why we suffer. We think, now this is very important. If you weren't paying attention before, you need to pay attention now because this is really important, especially when we suffer. When you and I suffer, we get narrow and we think this. 
I cannot think of a reason why God would allow me to go through this. Therefore, God must not have a reason for allowing me to go through this. You see how narrow we are? We think that if we can't think of it, then God can't think of a good reason. So what we do is we get narrow as opposed to open-minded and, cu and curious as to what God could be doing in our hearts and in our lives, which I think is a better posture than the narrow-mindedness. Because do you really think that if you can't think of any good thing that can happen in your life through your suffering, do you really think that God can't? That God cannot produce a good... You go, no, but you don't understand. It was, you know, child on a deathbed and they never got up. It was, it was uh, hanging out with friends and then shots get fired. It was, uh, you know, dad over and over, molestation and terrible. Listen to me. All those things are horrible. They will never be good. They're always awful. But we become narrow. And listen, I'm not telling you about stuff I've read. I remember as a young child, you know this. I mean, if I share this stuff at other churches, everybody's like, whoa. But y'all have heard this stuff so many times. You know this stuff. That when I was a little guy, a guy went into my room. A guy went into a room. It wasn't my room. A guy went into a room, locked and double locked the door, and awful, terrible, horrible things happened that day. Stuff that made me question my sexuality. Stuff that made me question my manhood. Stuff that cracked my soul. And trying to convince that child that something good could ever come out of that would be useless. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not young anymore. I'm 46. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been able to sit with men and women in my office as they tell me their story of being molested and touched and abused and me being able to sit with them, weeping with them and going, you too? Me too. You're not alone. I'm not saying that that's good for me, but I could see the good that God has produced out of that circumstance. You see, we get narrow. We think that if we can't think of a good reason, then therefore God cannot think. We get narrow. And what I want us to do as we look at this text, I want us to get open-minded. I want us to get over the sun, over the things that we can see. I want us to get over the circumstances that we experience and try to see if we can't see that God is working even within the context of our lives. We're going, we're going to the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. You should have it in your bulletins. Now, here's the thing. I want you to memorize this verse. You go, oh, it's too big. Please. If I start to sing a song from the 70s, all y'all would pick up on it, right? You know? <laughs> Don't tell me you can't memorize stuff. You can memorize some. I was going to sing, before I let go. Dun, dun, dun. Remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all know all the words because in every block party, it's that, that song goes on, right? Like if you're black or brown, that's the go-to song. And that's the go-to song. Y'all can pick songs on the radio that you haven't listened to in 10 years. 
and y'all got that song memorized. So here's the thing. I want you to memorize this text. Would you do that for me? It'll be good for your soul, and it'll be even better when you go experience suffering. Okay, let's, let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Would you stand with me? Usually we all read together. I just want this to wash over your life. I want you to receive the words that I'm about to share with you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary trouble is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Experience that. Therefore, if we, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So as we look at this text, the Bible does not pretend like bad things don't happen. If you ever had the question about why do bad things happen to good people, I would warn you that that's only happened once. And he volunteered. There are no good people. You, the fact is, is that if I was preaching this to the person that you heard, they would be thinking about you as the person who caused them suffering. If you don't see that in your own life, you are blind to your own sin. You literally are calling God a liar, James says. You're lost and you need to repent. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he was an enemy of God, wanted nothing to do with God, was absolutely anti-God for all of his life up until the point where God got his attention. And by the way, that might be your story here. It was mine. You might not want to have anything to do with God, and he might be turning your heart right now. Paul, God speaks to his heart, draws him to himself, helps him to see the risen Christ, and starts being the very thing that he was persecuting, the very thing that he hated. He started to be a Christian who shared Jesus with other people. It's crazy. God can still do that. That happens. And he starts telling other people, and then he starts serving Jesus, then he starts suffering for Jesus. Just before the passage that we're going to read, verses 7 through 15, Paul starts to elucidate, he starts to share about, he starts to communicate the suffering that he's going through. He says things like, you know, we feel pressed. Pressed to the degree where we feel like we can't breathe. We feel pressed, but not crushed. We've been persecuted. There's been a level of slander and lies and convict. Like, like we've been persecuted, but not abandoned. We've been struck down by blows on people's fists, by whips in their hands. We've taken beating after. We've been struck down, but not destroyed. 
You see, what's happened to Paul is that he's recognized that as he serves Christ, he suffers for Christ. And they're unavoidable. If you serve Christ, you will suffer for Christ. If you don't serve Christ, you will suffer for Christ. It's just better to serve Christ if you're going to suffer anyway. So in verse 16, Paul, like, you know, he goes, Therefore, since everything that I told you is true, since I've been shipwrecked, beaten, whipped, since I've experienced the kind of loss, betrayal, people who have said they're down and with me, like ride or die, and they have turned their tail when things got hot. Listen to me. Since I've experienced the kind of suffering that you and I can't imagine, therefore, he says in verse 16, because remember, therefore always connects you, always connects you to what has happened before. Therefore, so for instance, um, I am hungry, therefore I will go to a restaurant, right? The therefore lets you know why I'm going to a restaurant, right? So his therefore is letting us know why this passage is true. Because of the suffering that he's experienced and the faithfulness of God. Therefore... We, and the we he's talking about there is not just apostles, not just pastors, not just the super religious. Therefore, we, you and me, Christ followers, his readers, the person sitting in your seat. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't go, where is it? We don't, we don't turn on God. We don't go, oh, this is for nothing. Forget it. It's just ridiculous. It's all meaningless. No, we do not lose heart. You're struggling with an addiction. You feel like you can't get clean. You don't lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. The person that said they were going to love you forever didn't last forever. Therefore, we do not lose heart. The, the pain in your body just seems to increase. And now they're talking about pain management rather than health or healing. Therefore, we do not lose heart. How could you say that? Well, here's what he says. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Now listen to me. The Bible doesn't pretend. Doesn't act like your pain isn't real. The Bible does not go to a funeral and say, don't worry, they're in a better place. That may or may not be true. The point is that the Bible doesn't turn away from suffering. It deals with it head on. It says, outwardly, we're wasting away. How do we waste away? We waste away in so many ways, right? Haven't you ever wasted away where you got so hurt in a relationship, the next relationship paid for the hurt that you got in the last one? Because your, your, your love and your thing just wasted away. We waste away relationally. We waste away within our bodies, right? I'm, I'm very, very aware of how my body is wasting away. I use a shampoo with a biotin in it because it promises that it'll make my hair thicker. <laughs> it took me an extra minute to get ready for you today because I'm moving the hair around in such a way so that you don't see my bald spots. <laughs> True story. You know why? Because every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded I'm wasting away. 
Don't laugh at me, ladies. What do we, as, ladies, can we talk? How many of y'all decided to go to a store and get, oh, auburn gray or black or whatever? You got a paint, a paint, like a paint that we put on a wall. You got a paint. You washed it in your hair that if anybody saw how crazy you looked with the paint all over your face, just so that you could fool everybody else from believing that you are wasting away. And men, you're not much better, right? Lube just for men in your beard, right? Just for men. Just for those who are wasting away. Now, we're laughing now, but it's real, isn't it? Makes us sad, doesn't it? Because you and I both know, outwardly, we're wasting away. Then, then there's the kind of heartaches that we talked about, like the ones in Texas who get shot, and they're your family, and you have no idea how to heal. You're just wasting away. There is damage being done. We are in a fallen, broken world. God recognizes that. You're wasting away. Don't pretend like you're not. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now, I, pause one second, okay? If you are a follower of Christ, both halves of that sentence are true. If you have not, if you've not received, submitted to, surrendered to Christ, only half of that sentence is true. You are wasting away for sure. But you're not being renewed day by day. That's only for Christians. You go, that's not fair. Beloved, it's why God brought you here. He brought you here so that you could, listen, I'm not asking you to be a part of a club. I'm asking you to receive the good gifts that God has to give you. Good gifts. Like renewal. Day by day. Now, for me, that phrase, renewal, day by day, it has a little tension to it. I don't like the whole concept of being renewed day by day. I like the idea of being renewed, and that's it. <laughs> I'm renewed. I'm full, right? Like, nobody wants to go on a car trip where every three blocks you got to fill up on gas. That's not a fun car trip, right? That's why you take the economy car, right? When you go on a long road trip, you get the car with the best mileage, right? You don't get the Hummer, right? Because, I mean, like, it just, it's, it's got to get renewed. It's got to get filled up more and more. I don't like the idea. You could, you and I could push back on God and say, God, I don't like it. Why don't you just renew me once and that's it. Because you know what? He's going to do it already. When Christ comes, he'll renew us. And we'll never need renewing after that. Like that. that he's going to do that. So, hey, Lord, why don't we speed up the process and start renewing me now. Full. Don't need anything else. I don't know all the reasons why that is, but I suspect that part of the reason why that is is because you and I would get so arrogant 
So I can't tell you how many people, can't tell you how many people, I literally, it's got to be in the thousands throughout these last 20 years who have said, broken, I need Jesus so bad. They're using, they're hurting, they're broken. I need Jesus so bad. Come to Bible studies, connected with the church, serving in ministry. Then they get a job. Then they get a job that provides really well for them. Then they find that perfect person. And that person, they're just enamored with them. And do you know what? They don't need Jesus anymore. Renewal. They got as much money as they need. They got all the love they need. They don't need love. Jesus' love. They don't need his provision. Beloved, I believe that God has you and I going back to him day by day to remind us that daily, every day, we need to depend on Christ. Every day, we need to be reminded. Every day, we need to go to God and say, you can be trusted with the power, the energy, the strength that I need for this day. You cannot, listen to me. You cannot, you cannot be renewed on yesterday's revival. You can't. You cannot survive on yesterday's spirituality. Today, you need to be renewed. Why are you going through such a difficult time? Why is your suffering causing you to suffer to such a great degree? Perhaps it's because you're not going to him to be renewed. That's going to him. And that's part of what we were doing before. Confessing and receiving forgiveness. Reading scriptures and singing to him. Praying to him and resting in him. Running to him and adoring him. Beloved, day by day. You don't just need this on Sundays. You need this on every day that ends with why. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed. Day by day. Someone say day by day. day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, I don't know about you. This sentence, you have to take it within the context of everything that Paul has written. Because one thing that I don't like when I'm suffering is for people to be glib. You know what I mean? Why people to be glib, like, you know, at a funeral, your wife, she's in a better place. That's glib. You're treating lightly something that's very grave. You, you dig what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, like you know, as, um, you know, when, oh, come on, you know, um, you know, uh, turn that frown upside down. That's being glib. You're treating something very serious. I, I, I got, I got not, not by anybody in this room, but I got, I got several texts. Um, while my son, uh, like, you know, like literally, I'm not sure he's going to survive the week. And, and I can't, some of the text I got, oh, wow. Whew. I don't like when people are glib. It's, especially when I'm suffering. It's difficult to take. You don't like it either. And it could seem at first glance at this sentence that God is being glib. For our light and momentary troubles... Have you ever experienced my troubles? They're not light and momentary. They're heavy and they last a real long time. Those are my troubles. I don't know about your suffering. I don't know about your troubles, but those are mine. They don't go away in a minute. Half hour doesn't take care of all the problems that I experience. 
all the marital issues, all the children issues, all the body issues. A half hour doesn't take care of that. A day doesn't take care of that. Yet God says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, and here it is, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Light and momentary compared to eternal and weighty, glorious. You see? God is saying, in comparison to eternity, in comparison to the joy that you will experience and presently and in the future, in comparison to the great, the great beauty of that, it's light and momentary. It's like today, my son, he's running around. In fact, today, after, he, uh, after this service, my son is going to be on the corner selling waters because he wants to make money. It's going to be on the corner. I say, you want, to make, you want to make money? I'll make an investment. I'll buy you a case of water. You got to pay me back, though. He's <laughs> like, this ain't no free ride here. If you're going to go to work, you got to go to work for real. And he's going to sell his water on the, on the thing. He's going to start with eight and blah, blah, blah. And here's the point. I just feel joy every time I see him. The beauty and the wonder and the love that I feel now is huge, massive, in comparison to the light suffering that I experienced when I thought he was going to die. It was as if the, the love of God bringing him back to me made me love him more, made me experience him more, made me enjoy him more. You've experienced that, right? Yeah, all you got to do is lose a kid. Lose a kid for five minutes, all right? I mean, like, you go through the stages of grief and, like, right, you go through, you know, denial and then rage. I'm going to kill that kid when I see him. And then, and then like, in five, after five minutes, you see him. You just, you're weeping uncontrollably. You grab a hold of him. You go, don't ever do that again. But that's as bad as the rebuke gets, right? Like, you just can't believe God brought you back your kid. That's because God knows the secret. He knows that the only thing that can outweigh the pain that you and I experience is the joy that he's going to give us. Not only on a daily basis, but also in eternity. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Now, I've always thought this part of the sentence was goofy, right? So well, not always, but certainly since I've been studying it for the last month. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Here's a question. How do you fix our eyes on what's invisible? <laughs> like, how do you start focusing on what you can't see, right? How do you do that? And so I think God is talking about something more profound than just what we can see with our physical eyes. I think when God is saying, so we fix our eyes, he's saying, so we put our attention towards. So we focus on, not on what is seen, child on his deathbed, body breaking down, terrible rumors that are not true. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. No matter what you and I experience, I'm telling you, a billion years from now, I'll go, hey, do you remember when your, when your body was breaking down, when the doctor told you you had cancer and you lost all your hair? 
And in your new renewed body, you're going to go, I'm glad that's over. You're going to be like, boy, this is so much better than that. When you experience the riches of his glory, and in a billion years from now, I go, do you remember how poor we were? And you look at the way we're living in Christ and with Christ, having every possible need met, and a lot of needs that we didn't know we had met. Would you believe? You're going to go, yeah, man. That was great. That was, that was like a vapor. That was like a, that was like a puff. You know what that was like? That was like in the winter when you just speak and you see your breath and then it's gone. That was what that was like. Felt big. Because we were fixing our eyes on what we could see. But in the scope of eternity, in the scope of eternity, it's really, really small. So our big idea for today, everything that I've been trying to tell you, boils down to this. Our Savior uses suffering for good that you can't see. Our Savior uses suffering for good that you can't see. You go, I don't know why she left me. I know. Our Savior uses, I know, you, of course you can't see it. You're fixing your eyes on what you see. We need to fix our eyes on what we can't see. That God is renewing us day by day. That God is with us and for us. That God will never leave us or abandon us. That God loves us. And it's closer to us in suffering than at any other point in our lives. I know a lot of us don't believe that. It's because you got your eyes fixed on the wrong thing. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. Not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Our Savior uses suffering for good that you can't see. So I wanted to illustrate this, okay? Um, Greg, come up here for a second. So, here's what happens when you and I suffer. Everybody got one of these? Yes. When you walked in, can you take it out? It's actually a wonderful... You didn't get one? You didn't get one? If you didn't get one, raise your hand. That's my fault. I did this way too early. I, I, did, I literally had this idea 20 minutes before the thing started. So, um, and the team got this together. So, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. This is important. You can eat this illustration after you're done. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So keep your hand up. You get them in. Okay. All right. Come here. Okay. All right. So Greg represents you and I. Greg is going to represent humanity. Does this make sense so far? Greg represents... I know. And you're going, oh, my shoulder hurts. I know. You're suffering. So it's okay. We're going to give you the thing. Um, all right. All right. Great. We got everyone? Almost. No. We got one more here? All right. All right, cool. All right, stick with me, okay? We got, yep. Perfect. Okay. Great. Now, are you with me now? Everybody good? If you want, at the end of this, we'll have more on the side. You can have as many as you like, okay? There we go. All right, but don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. This is really important. Okay. So, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Greg represents all of us. Greg is me sitting on the hospital bed not knowing how this is going to end. Greg Greg is you 
who have gone through so many surgeries that you don't even know how you're going to get through the pain that you're experiencing. And Greg is you who have experienced the betrayal within your marriage and you don't know if you could ever make it back. Greg is you who have lost all of your resources and finances and you thought the people who would help you, they don't. You just lost it all. Greg is the one who had to bury his daughter. Greg is the one who had to experience the painful divorce. He's you. Greg is the one whose mother just went up the block to get a cup of a bottle, uh, a gallon of milk, and got hit by a drunk driver that didn't bother stopping. It's not meaningless. This mint represents that suffering. That's the cancer that the doctor says. That's the body that's giving up. That's the hopeless situation with your kid. That's the addiction that won't go away. That's the suffering that doesn't stop. Greg, I want you to hold it right there. Just look at it. When you're not in Christ, all you have is to look at the thing that's caused you so much pain. You can't imagine when you're suffering, you can't imagine that there's anything beyond you're suffering. But the Bible says that there's something beyond. That you are looking at something like that. And the Bible says, no, 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 you don't understand. There are, listen, there are glories. You don't, nope, look at the, there are glories. There are glories. There are wonders that you can't even imagine. That you can't even imagine. They're there. And they're, listen to me. They're going to work out not only, it might not, may or may not be for your good. May, maybe yes, maybe no. But it's going to be glory for God, good for you, and good for others. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. In this life, you don't see them. Others may be able to see them. Others might be able to experience them. But you don't see them. You know why? Because God uses our suffering. Our Savior uses our suffering for good that you can't see. As you look at your suffering. My, my favorite illustration of this um, is with uh, Raymond, Pastor Raymond. Uh, he, he shared a story that I never forgot. I thought it was the most powerful. You've heard it before. It's so powerful. i got to use it again. So he's growing up. He's praying every day. God, just keep on looking. Every day, God, please bring Bobby home. Bring Poppy home. His father had left. He didn't have a father. He felt alienated from everybody else because he didn't have a father. Thought it was because of him. He's like, bring Poppy home. Bring Poppy home. Prayed that every day. Couldn't believe why God wouldn't answer that one prayer. Simple prayer of a little boy asking for his father to come home. Determined in his heart that he must be worthless and useless and therefore that's why God didn't bring him because he's no good. Grew up, used drugs, hurt himself and hurt others as a result. Suffered in ways, went to jail, stole cars, breaking answers. You can imagine all the nightmare that goes on. You know, some of us don't have to imagine, right? And years later, Jesus saves him. But he still has the wound. Still has the wound. 
and he's talking to his sister about Jesus. And they're talking about the suffering and the difficulties that they've gone through. And he's just sharing, hey, listen, I understand how you feel. Um, when I was young, I used to pray that God would bring Bobby home. She said, what? She says, yeah, I would pray that God would bring Bobby home. And he never did. She said, I would pray that God would never bring Bobby home. Because there were things that happened. Now watch this. All you got is your suffering, but you got your small part of the story. You don't see or understand all the dynamics that are happening. You can't. You're not God. You're narrow because your suffering has made you narrow. You're self-centered because your suffering has made you self-centered. I'm telling you, your Savior is using, he's using your suffering for good that you cannot see. And there are moments very rare, very rare, where God goes, see? You see? But I'll tell you, most of the time, not so much. Most of the time, most of the time, what we do is we take in our suffering and then we lift it up to God so that we're not looking at it, but He is. We lift it up to the Lord. He's looking at it. God, you deal with this. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Jesus. Jesus, you keep, you know the suffering. You know the difficulty. You know the heartache. You know the pain. You know. You know. Jesus, it's your suffering. And then let it remind you that he went through the same suffering for you only a billion times worse so that he could have you back to himself. Run to him with your suffering. Why? Because our Savior is using your suffering for good Amen. that you can't see. Thank you very much, Greg. All right, beauties. If you're here and you don't know Jesus here, by the way, this is done every day. Every day you get renewed. Every day you get encouraged. Every day run to Jesus. Ask Him in prayer, in your Bible reading, with your brother or sister in Christ to help renew you as we talk to each other. Lean on each other. Oh, you want to use? I want to use too. Great. Let's do this together. Oh, you feel depressed? Me too. Let's do this together. Why? Because God renews us. God renews us day by day. Our Savior uses our suffering for good that you can't see. Don't forget that. The next time you suffer, I want you to be reminded of this, that our Savior went through suffering so that He could have you back to Himself. He's not just pleased with just looking at your suffering. He joins in your suffering. In other words, Jesus literally experienced the pain of molestation. He experienced the pain of heartache. You lost a child, the Father in heaven knows what it's like to watch his son die. Beloved, he's for you. And our Savior will not waste. It's not meaningless. He will not waste your suffering, but will use it for good that you cannot see.